The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Philippians, chapter 3. If you're using the Bible underneath your chair, it's on page 922. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. Philippians 3, starting in verse 12 through verse 21. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. Delta, I'd like to uh, invite up our guest preacher this morning, Matt uh, Hess. Matt, come on up. Matt is from uh, the St. Louis area, Wentzville. Many of you recognize this face. He was uh, with us in October, uh, helped us kick off, kick off the Great Commission offering. Uh, a little bit about uh, Matt uh, Matt and his family were in Toronto for about uh, over, over 10 years, uh, doing some church planning up there and pastoring, and they are now in St. Louis. Matt is the Send City Missionary, uh, so what he does, he leads church planting in the St. Louis area. Um, I know that's near and dear to uh, us as a church, church planting, uh, the gospel going forward, and I know St. Louis is, many, is near, near and dear to many of you. Um, with Matt, we have his wife, Erica, and children, Isaac, Gavin, Sienna, Cadence. I want to thank you all for making the trip this morning. Matt, thanks for being here. Let me pray for your brother, yeah. and then we'll get started. Uh, Father, thank you for Matt and his family. Thank you for the desire he has to preach your word. Thank you for his service to us this morning. I pray that you would empower him for service this morning. You would help him to preach boldly. And we, as hearers of your word preached, I pray that you would change our hearts to make us more like Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Amen. brother. <clears throat> well, what a privilege it is to uh, be back with you, Delta Church. Uh, as Brian said, we, we came here back in October of last year. And uh, being brand new to the region, we've been trying to find a church. And one of our kids said, why don't we just go to Delta Church? I love that church. 
And I said, I love that church too, but it would be a little too far of a drive. And so we genuinely do love this church. I, I love your elders and Brian and Brady and Jonathan and, and of course, Charles, I work closely with at the Sin Network. Uh, it, it's so refreshing when we are with you guys to, to see the health of Delta Church. And too often, when we talk about church health in the West, we fixate on buildings and, and size and attendance and success that oftentimes the world uses to measure success. But what we use to measure success is healthy plurality of elders. You guys have that. The word of God, first and foremost, in central. You guys have that. Christ-centered, theologically sound worship. You guys have that, right? And so it is always good to be with you and to see what God is doing in your midst. Well, I do want to invite you, if you haven't already made your way there, to turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 12 through 21 today. And uh, I understand you guys have been walking through Philippians, but just as a bit of a historical background, the Apostle Paul is the author uh, of this letter, and he is writing to the beloved recipients of the church at Philippi. He loves these people. It was at Philippi that the apostle visited on his second missionary journey. It is where Lydia and the Philippian jailer and his family came to know Jesus. And now some few years later, the church is well established. And Paul's writing this epistle to acknowledge a gift of money from the church at Philippi brought to the apostle by Epaphroditus, one of its members. And in Paul, in chapter 3, he kind of lays out for us, if you will, his spiritual uh, biography. He tells us about his past life in verses 1 through 11. In verses 12 through 16, he talks about his present life. He's writing from a prison cell. And in his future life, in verses 17 through 21. And today, we are going to focus on the life he was living at the time he writes this letter and his emphasis is on spiritual growth. The Bible addresses spiritual growth often. It's not something that we should think about doing. It's rather expected from God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I am encouraged as I work with church planners today. I am encouraged as I work with churches and church leaders. There, there are a lot of positive things taking place in the church today that I uh, see and have witnessed. There, there seems to be a return of what we just now did, which was corporately pray together. That, that makes me so joyful. Christ says my house will be called a house of what, church? Prayer. It's important that we pray together. I'm encouraged that, that churches seem to be returning back to corporate prayer. 
I'm encouraged to see that churches seem to be emphasizing once again evangelism. The, the fact of the matter is no one is saved by osmosis. God's will is to use the saints to declare his glories and to see people born again. I'm encouraged by leadership development and leadership pipelines and all of those things. However, if I'm being totally transparent this morning, there, there are also some disturbing trends in the church in North America. I, I engage uh, quite often with, with professing believers who, who seem to believe that, that sound doctrine and theology are kind of optional things, that they don't have to be front and center in a church. There are others who are allowing the culture to shape their views on, on sexuality, allowing the culture to shape their views on, on the home and on relationships instead of the church shaping the views of the culture. It, it's hard for me to believe this, um, but I have had the privilege to minister the gospel for over 20 years now. And if somebody was to, to sit me down and say, Put your finger on, on one problem. What, what is the one issue that, that continually plagues the bride of Christ? I would be directed back to this issue, spiritual immaturity. That is, for many Christians, spiritual growth is not high on our personal busy agendas. And I would suggest that, in fact, many professing believers have bought into the myth that, that growing spiritually is a matter of, of personal choice, that when it comes to discipleship, that when it comes to growing deeper in our faith, it's merely optional. However, our text today, Paul just blows that whole idea out of the water. He says, this is not a option for you if you have placed your faith in Christ. Spiritual growth should be a reality in our lives. One of our problems, our biggest problems in the church here in the West is that we believe when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ that it is there only to get us to heaven. That once we repent of our sins and place our trust in Jesus Christ alone as Savior, that our, our ticket to heaven is punched and we can kind of live however we want and we can kind of take or leave the church and all that she provides and expects us to give back. And as a result of these lies from the enemy, there are many, many Christians who remain babes in Christ for all their lives. That is, they never progress spiritually. Why do we face so many challenges in the church? Why are we constantly wrestling with the same issues? I believe that's because oftentimes we are dealing with immature Christ followers. And this morning, I want us to walk through Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 21. We're going to spend the majority of our time in verses 12 through 16. And as we dig into the word today, we are going to discover five 
keys to spiritual growth. These are practical. They are timely for me, I know, as I've studied and, and poured over them this week. And, and my prayer has been is that, that we will walk away from our time together today being mutually encouraged, Christ being glorified, and us being edified, and that we would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to put these into practice. We're going to jump right into this today. Look at verse 12. Not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of that for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. First, in order for us to grow spiritually this morning, we must be honest with ourselves. See, we have to take a step back and we have to honestly assess where we are spiritually. Paul is painting a picture of an athlete and he is running a race, but he is not just running the race. He, he is running the race for one purpose, to win. He is running the race for a prize. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Notice what Paul says in verse 12. He says, I haven't obtained it. I haven't grasped the prize yet. What's he saying? He's saying, I haven't arrived spiritually. L listen, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote 13 books of the New Testament, right? He, he was directed and led by God, perhaps the most committed Christian to ever walk the face of the planet. And here he is saying, I'm not where I ought to be. Here he is saying, I haven't arrived spiritually. I'm not there yet. How in the world, if Paul is saying that, could any of us in this room within the sound of my voice believe that we have arrived spiritually? We have to take a step back in order to grow spiritually. We have to say, where am I in my spiritual walk with God? Have you ever met an individual who professes Christ? And man, they just are prideful. They are the individual that when you're in a simple Bible study, they want to tell you about how they know this in the Hebrew. They, they know this in the Greek, and, and they know this in the Aramaic. And they're not doing it because they love the Word of God, and, and they want others to experience the truth of the Word of God, but they're doing it in a prideful way to boast and to have ego and to say, I know more than anybody else knows in this room. They're saying, I have spiritually arrived. You know what's so ironic about those times? Types of people they think they're so spiritually mature and yet their actions and their words demonstrate their spiritual immaturity Paul is saying I've done a lot but I'm not where I ought to be the Bible is very clear sinless perfection this side of heaven is impossible there are those who believe that, that you can obtain a, a sinless perfection while you're in this world. Uh, we believe, 
And I suggest that the Bible teaches that glorification only happens before Christ in the presence of God in heaven. That is, we will always fight and battle and struggle with sin. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But here's the really good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see what First John is saying there. We don't need to try to put on airs and pretend that we have spiritually arrived because God knows better, doesn't he? We've got to be honest with ourselves. So before we move on today, let me ask you a question. Are you satisfied with where you are spiritually? Are you content with your spiritual life? You know, often as we take a look at our spiritual lives, we tend to err in two ways. First, we can be too hard on ourselves. Man, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And we beat ourselves up. We punish ourselves really harshly. The second way is we pretend that we are more spiritually mature than we truly are. Paul was always looking to grow spiritually. He says, but I press on. I keep going. He was aware that he had not arrived, but he was willing to give maximum effort in order to grow spiritually. Next, he says, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus Paul wanted his spiritual life to be consistent with Christ's ultimate purpose in saving him. And so you say, well, Matt, what is Christ's ultimate purpose in saving us? What is Paul talking about here? Romans 8, 28 through 29. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become formed to the image of his son so that he would be the first born among many brethren. Why did God save you? If you are here today and you've repented of your sins, I love what Brian said, it is a work of God and the Holy Spirit regenerating what was once dead and making it alive. You did nothing to get to where you are today. God saved you. The Spirit drew you to the Father. And why did he do that? To bring himself glory and to bring himself honor and so that you and I may bear eternal fruit for his glory. We've got to take a step back today. The first key to growing spiritually is you have to be honest with yourself of where you are today. My mom, um, several years ago, she, she was, there was a couple things I could always count on as a little boy. I would wake up in the morning and I would walk out to the kitchen and I would always see my mama drinking a cup of coffee and reading her Bible. And I, I was brought up in the church. It was not a, not a gospel-centered church, but it, but it was a church that preached the Bible. It was a heretical movement, the Word of Faith movement. My, my mom since has learned that that was error and all those things. But she and my father divorced when I was 16. And she kind of went through a tumultuous journey where she wasn't really walking with the Lord for several years and wasn't in the church like she should have been. But man, praise God, several years back, like five, six years ago, my mom got convicted and she connected and committed 
to a gospel-centered, Bible-preaching church that is very similar to Delta Church. And she loves the Lord. She's serving the Lord. She, she has a ministry. She called me two weeks ago, and she said, Matt, I, I wanted you and Erica to know this news first, but I am going to be a part of a church plant core team, and our church is going to send out a, a, a church plant, and we're going to be starting a church. I just rejoiced because my mom, at some point in time, took a step back and said, this ain't cutting it. I'm professing Christ as my Lord and Savior, but my life is not looking what 1 John says my life should look like. And I share that story with you about my mama because I want to encourage you today. We serve a God who is infinitely good and gracious and kind. And as you observe your life and you say, I am not spiritually where I ought to be today, you have a choice to make. You can stay where you are. You can allow the enemy to ravage your life. Or you can repent. You can cast yourselves once again onto the mercies of Christ. And you can live the life that God has called you to live. The first key to genuine spiritual growth is to be honest with yourself on where you are spiritually. The second key is this. Discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. This past week, my family.